This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Are you ready? We're so ready. We're so ready. So first of all, we need to acknowledge how we're in this new studio together. We've had so many audio-visual issues, and we have our sign that represents the name of this podcast. And you and I get to sit next to each other now. Which is so much fun. We did sit next to each other last time, except I was looking at Doug the entire time and Doug was looking into the camera. So I had to lean in closer and closer. It it was a little weird. And I did not do that. So you are our very first guest in this set, which is why I was a little bit getting here. And so for all our listeners and viewers, we so welcome Melissa Rogers. And I want to start by saying how bizarre it is that you and I actually connected the first time. This (laughs) actually is a very bizarre story. It's a very bizarre story. And the funny thing is, as you and I talked about it, though, we had more in common than we ever thought. So, like, I went to the emergency emergency room in Hudson, Wisconsin, with a jujitsu injury to my eye. And the nurse that was taking care of me referenced you put us in contact together on instagram because she's saying you know what this person would be perfect for your relationship podcast right and so you and i connected on instagram a long time ago and the funny thing is like you and and so i knew you were going to be on the show at some point so i'm so glad we finally made it happen but i also want to say like at the end of the day like you knew this person from the dairy queen in wisconsin i think yes from high school my very first job ever and she was in a grade below me, and I feel like that's back in the time where anybody in a different grade, like you just, they weren't part of your circle. It was so weird. Right. And so we worked together, and I remember I thought she was so cool and so fun. I'm like, oh my gosh, this younger girl is actually really cool. And at the time, it was like so much younger, I'm sure. I yeah, remember oh, in high school that I actually didn't know the name of a single person in the grade below me, but I knew every one of the, like, the upperclassmen. Yeah, so. I mean, she was basically a zygote, so I was like, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God, a zygote. And, of course, I found out in that process that you've also trained jujitsu. So yes, we have so I've much also sustained a jujitsu injury, so I love it. <laughs> You guys are practically twins. Yeah, you had a bad one, though. Yours was much worse than my eye. I don't know. If something happened to my eye, like, you know, the face is my moneymaker, right? Like, everything else, like... Yeah, yeah. of course it is. Yeah, like, like I tore my MCL, so, like, yeah, did it suck not to walk for a while? Sure. But, But like, if something happened to my face, I would have been absolutely just horrible. (laughs) Hopefully you can't see my eye injury anymore. Um, can I formally introduce this lovely young woman? I would be delighted if you did. All right. And I get to watch you as you do it. Melissa. Melissa Rogers. That you are a proud Texas transplant. And I love, you're a Midwest girl. 
um, at heart growing up in Chicago, finishing high school in Wisconsin, and excitedly donning maroon and gold as a Minnesota gopher in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Love that. I do too. Love that. So you're still our peeps. Guy, after, after her, I love this, tour de Midwest. So French. <laughs> yeah, I like oh, to make it seem chic. It was so chic because, you know, the Midwest is not that chic. So if you add a D, that yeah. like really makes it go up 12 notches in coolness, <laughs> that you set your sights on the, her dream city of New York City, which is oh, yeah. a dream city. After a few years enjoying Manhattan life, you slowed down and got to enjoy time as a Georgia peach. In the gorgeous storybook-like scenery of Savannah, Georgia, which I have heard is really glorious. I'm going to be there in a couple weeks. Now in El Paso. No. Um, Not quite as picturesque. Isn't it? I mean, I'm feeling like maybe some strip malls and some, um, what are those called? Dust bunnies? No, they're called Yes, no, you're thinking of tumbleweeds. We definitely yeah, have dust storms. There are plenty yeah. of strip malls, but... I El Paso is really a lovely place, so please come visit. I, I absolutely I'd love to. I've been. Maybe I've not. You know, I've never. It's, a, it's an right. academic. It's an academic community too, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like you have literally been everywhere, which only makes it more interesting to talk to you about being a matchmaker because. I'm so curious and we can kind of dive in later to their spots for us to kind yeah, of chat let's about dive. It. But like what dating looks like <laughs> in other places, what people feel like in different places. Um, it says you love working with clients locally, nationwide, and can understand cultural nuances and the unique voices coming from any region and any market. Dying to hear all about that. Um, of course you're creative and of course you have an outgoing personality and of course you have a background in psychology i mean <laughs> of course when you're I not do. working we can find you on the tennis court and the golf course love it and if you are not on the premises of coronado country club then you're second home. home two daughters and your adorable pit bull yoni that is oh. so funny to me <laughs> on so many levels yeah. because it's either Yoni as like an, a Jewish name oh from Yonatan hmm. or it's you like, nailed it actually. Really? Are you he's named out? He's so I have I like to call myself secular, right? Where yeah. I've had a bat mitzvah, I've had a confirmation. So I'm just like honestly covered in the happenstance of the end of the world. <laughs> But my ex-husband thought that Jonathan Netanyahu was the greatest, um, like, soldier of all time. So Yanni yeah. is named after Jonathan Netanyahu. Uh, I, I love it. I don't know what to say. It's so cute. I should have sniffed out my people a long time ago. Maybe I should have been cued in when the first thing she said when we hopped on was Shalom. Shalom. That's true. <laughs> But also, this is this is Yanni right here. That's my dog. Oh, That's so cute! Welcome, Yanni. Oh my god, so cute. Um, are 
Yeah, uh, we have these fabulous questions that we're going to dive into. I can't wait. And we did change a couple things around that we decided we were a little more interested oh. in. Are we fine too? I don't know. Well, I think we, we have a general guide. We're very interested in this. And, you know, honestly, in some ways, Melissa, what we need to start with is like, what got you interested in matchmaking? What got you interested in the dating events that you did? You know, one of the things uh -huh. when you and I first chatted about being on this podcast, you talked about sometimes feeling like a, an imposter um, in, this, in this role as well. I'm just very curious about your role and how you got there yeah. and, and how you feel about it. So great questions. Uh, it is something where imposter syndrome is the first thing you feel because everybody or most people are familiar with the OG, Patty Stanger, Millionaire Matchmaker. Absolutely. I remember seeing those shows and thinking, what a cool job, but also like, oh my God, she is, can I say like a swear word? Like, I, I just think, yes, yes. I, yeah, so I was like, mean. she's such a bee. And, however, it's like then once you start working, you're just like, I totally get it, Patty. I understand every word you just said. Um, but well, yeah, so about that. why? Because like she got so sick of people's bullshit that she started shaming yeah. them into being better dates. Right. So it's like in my my goal is never to shame someone, but it is also to say, guess what? You pay me for my professional opinion. You don't pay me to blow smoke up your ass. And that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And also, like, <laughs> you're paying me to get this show on the road. And if I see mm -hmm. obvious reasons why you're not having success, let me tell you, start brushing your teeth. That was like, <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I've so, never so had of, to tell someone that, though. You mm -hmm. kind of got stimulated from Patty. Tell us more. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. So you had asked just kind of what brought me into being a matchmaker. And the truth is, I knew I wasn't meant for a typical job. Like, I guess some people say neurotypical, but I, I just knew that <laughs> working in an office, something nine to five, something corporate, not going to be for me. Yeah. Um, and at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, they have an incredible psychology program. They have an incredible yeah. human sexuality program. Oh, well, that's why you're so good at what you do. Um, <laughs> so uh, I loved the focus on human sexuality, and it was kind of, it felt taboo still, because what was this, like yeah. 2005, 2006, when I was like, oh my gosh, like, can I even really study this? But either way, so I wanted to get out of my current role, which was um, I was working with adults with personality disorders, which was great when they were happy, and it was absolutely terrible, and like, sad and scary when they weren't happy and I'm such an empath like I just couldn't do it um but yeah so I found a company that was hiring for matchmakers and I applied thinking well this is obviously a scam they're gonna steal my information but if it's true it'll be really cool <laughs> and here I am like uh, about a decade later and um, I'm just really thrilled that luckily I have been able to step out of imposter syndrome because you know, after a while, it's like you, you can't just like, you, you have to acknowledge your strengths, right? And I'm really good at telling people exactly why they can't only ask for men over six foot tall, you know? Oh my gosh, <laughs> Melissa, I love that so much. And also, like, I feel like anyone can relate to the whole imposter syndrome, but I feel like especially in our career as well, I remember feeling the same thing. Like, well, what do I know? And what you don't realize yeah. when you start in a profession like this is that it takes time to build the confidence in your own intuitive knowing 
of how to move forward and we have all of the resources and all of the science behind it. I'm sure we can't wait to talk to you about all of the tools and assessments that you use. So there are like science backed ways of figuring totally. out there might be chemistry, but a lot of what we do is gut and it's intuition. Yes, the CEO of my company will laugh because I remember when she and I were doing an interview, I was like, I just, I hate this word, but at the end of the day, I joke that I'm a vibe scientist, you know, like I just, I got to read the vibes. This is my science. I, yeah. I'm obsessed with that. I, I love it. And vibe Melissa, you scientist. also, you also got into dating, right? Mm -hmm. the, the dating services. Yes. Tell us more about that as well. <laughs> well, you know what? Long story short, I also went through a divorce. And so it's very interesting how I truly think that me going through a divorce and having to re-navigate the dating world in an arena that I hadn't previously been in, I never had to use the apps or anything like that. Um, and so actually being the boots on the ground, literally and figuratively, has made me such a better matchmaker. And also, you know, I think I work better with both, you know, never been married clients and divorced clients because sometimes people who've never been married are like, oh, I don't want somebody who's been divorced. Sounds like they have baggage. And I'm like, honey, right. of course you want somebody who's been divorced. It means they've probably been to therapy. Some you know? training. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. They've probably been to therapy. And it also means that they've been able to, in the past, commit to something, which I think is a great. Does it mean they commit? You know what? Yeah. Yes. Well, they, they that's the thing is like marriage is a commitment. It's not yeah. a feeling. So I can see where a lot of people will say that. And I'm not poo-pooing what you just said, but it's like everyone can kind of commit to a, to a couple of years with somebody. Right. Because right? like yeah. it's not it's not even that much big, that much different than like. I want to break up. We've been together for five years or something. However, <laughs> I, feel, I mean, yes, totally 100%. And most people are complaining that in the dating world, nobody is wanting to commit to anything. So at least if someone's been divorced, it has meant that they've said yeah. yes to a commitment once. Right. I respect your reasoning. I do. Yeah, I, I'm going to be with you, Melissa. I think a lot of people don't know what they want, which I'm kind of eager to hear about in the matchmaking process. Yeah. I think people are really confused sometimes. Go ahead. I agree. I think that the best way I can explain it is I'm not a chef who creates any dish that you could possibly dream up. I'm more like the the server at the restaurant. Like, you can tell me these are the ingredients you absolutely love and like they must be in your dish. And you can tell me these are the ingredients I'm allergic to, cannot handle them. And then I can be like, all right, well, here are three dishes on the menu. This one has onions. You said you don't love onions, but they weren't a deal breaker. Oh my you know? God. So it's like, I can show you what's available to you, but is it going to be exactly, you know, what you wanted all the time? No. Is it going to be fucking delicious? Probably. You know, oh my like, gosh. Do you find that by the time people make it to you for matchmaking services, they've completely fatigued from the apps? Or do you find that like who who comes to you for matchmaking versus trying on their own? So you're absolutely right. People have app fatigue. And yeah. I believe Doug and I talked about this where you want a culture of abundance absolutely everywhere in the world. Like bank account, abundant baby, like time off, abundant. And then you get on an app and you see someone who like, you know, maybe their eyebrows don't look the way you like, like swipe left, you know, like, oh, this person, that's a weird first photo, swipe left. So it's like, 
you have this culture of abundance, but like really all these people you're swiping right on, how many like you back? You know, so I think they're fatigued with the fact that it feels abundant, but it's not. And then um, most of my clients are almost all of them are, you know, professionals who have made a name for themselves. They sometimes just don't want to be seen on the dating apps or they're tired of the dating apps or they're just like, I'm so busy. I I need to outsource this at this point. You know, like clearly I have a blind spot. Yeah. I, I mean, I really respect that when people know that, okay, you know what? I could do this. I could mow my own lawn and weed all my stuff, which I do. Actually, my son does. And we, we should be outsourcing more things than we are. But I really respect it when people value their time and say, mm-hmm. I could do this for a really long time poorly, or I could hire a professional to do it really well. And it will probably take a quarter of the time. Right. And I think that that's, you hit the nail on the head when you said we should be outsourcing more things. You know, like I actually hate doing laundry and I had to realize that like, I'm not good at it. I don't want to be good at it. I would rather just have my clean laundry. So it's the same, like with a matchmaker, clearly I'm not choosing the right people who value me and my skill set, or even know how to speak my own love language. So, Hey, you, you help me out. Other third party, neutral third party. Oh my it. gosh. Another question about, so you've got the, the matchmaking. So people come mm-hmm. in for matchmaking, but then you also have your dating events. And it was like my favorite name ever. Yep. Let's fucking yes. So what are, yep. like, who should do the matchmaking? Who should do the events? Tell us a little bit about the differences. So honestly, they're not really tied together for me because Um, the majority of my clients are not local to me and I do my dating events locally and it's really not even mine. Right. I, I work with this fabulous bar called Capri, um, right here in El Paso. They're like this adorable coffee shop during the day, turn little cocktail bar in the Mm -hmm. evening. And the idea is like, let's just put conversation back into dating instead of the swiping and all that stuff, but also just like being IRL because I'm sure we have all been there where you meet somebody like on an app or something, their photos, decent, their texting style, decent. And then like within two seconds, you're like, God, I need to leave. I can't do this. Like there are zero vibes. Yeah. The chemistry, if that isn't there or all you need is two seconds of energy doesn't lie. It doesn't. That's right. And I also think that um, a lot of the things are so contrived, right? So, on a dating app, what are people saying? Hey, how are you? I don't care how you are. I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's the last question I want to ask. Um, so what I've done with the events is I've created a bingo card. And my rule is that you have to get every square signed by somebody different. So you can't just sit and talk to one person. And you also have to talk to men and women. Um, so that way, when you walk up to someone, it's not automatically just like, oh, this person's obviously into me. This is awkward. I don't even want to have this conversation. No, like sit down. They just want to get their square signed. Maybe they'll fall in love with you in the meantime, but like take the pressure out. Wait, Absolutely. so like, you, like straight men and straight women, you would still want them to like a woman to talk to a woman and a man to talk yeah. to a man because yes, it's like definitely. in conversation and connection and skills. Absolutely. I think it's not even necessarily just like people talking skills because most people have a profession in which 
they have to pretend like they're outgoing at some point during their day. Um, however, I think that there is a lost art in making conversation with people that we don't know. Uh, because now we go to a bar, like we're alone, we just like pick up our cell phone and we text our bestie the entire time. And so we don't have yeah. the need to create social interaction the way we used to, but it's also one of the most exciting things is to connect with somebody new and you're like, oh my God, you really are funny. I had a nice time chatting with you. And whether that's a male or a female, whether it's somebody I want to get with or not, I think that's also just like a huge bonus. It's a win-win. So the bingo cards, they are actually like you have to find somebody who meets the qualification for that square? Yes, exactly. Say more, and you developed this yourself? So I've, a few of my colleagues have done bingo at like events in the past. And yeah. since this isn't really like work for me and it's just more of a social thing, um, I make the, I make the bingo questions a little bit more fun. Like, you know, find somebody who has a hidden piercing or, you know, we don't even have to do that. Like, you know, find somebody who like doesn't believe in ghosts. And Doug and I definitely talked about this where I am on the border in El Paso, Texas, right next to a lot of like Mexican Catholics. And like the running joke that everybody gets is like, you could, I could like walk up to you and shoot you directly in the face. But then if somebody goes, oh, no, I swear to God, a ghost did it. They'd be like, oh, Dios mío, it's true. Like, you know, so everybody believes in ghosts here, which is why um, depending on the area, yeah, depending on the area, I think it's really important to like, um, what is it, specialize the card, right? I love so it. So in Minneapolis, I would write, find somebody who did not attend the U of M. You know? Right. <laughs> or find me someone who does not hunt or something. Right. Yeah, that would be a perfect one. Find somebody who's never been hunting. Find somebody whose elementary school did not let them take the weekend off for opening weekend. <laughs> I mean, right? that's probably more small town rustic. It um, might be. Tell us a little bit. Oh my God, it's so much fun talking to her. She's so amazing. Um, tell us a little bit about how people engage with matchmaking services like pre first marriage post like you were saying a little bit about like someone who's never been married someone who has been married maybe someone who's widowed like different stages of their lives what do you notice what do you find i love that you mentioned someone widowed because i can recall my very first client who had been widowed i was so nervous to tell people like oh yeah he's been widowed you know it almost feels like better to be like oh he's been divorced don't worry they hated each other but instead, it's like they were so in love. And so I loved being able to sell it and that he explained it like having kids, right? You don't love one kid less just because you're, you know, going to have another one. You, you yeah. find room to spread the love. Um, so I actually find people who have been widowed and they're coming at this from like this beautiful experience. They're nervous because they don't want to, you know, take anything away from their previous marriage. But they're also like ready to find love again. Um, yeah. I think that people who have never been married and never had kids, their their wants sometimes can seem very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They can seem very narrow um, and short-sighted. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. they don't know. That's right. Maybe they don't appreciate that humans are very multifaceted yeah. and they might not know That's exactly very true. And so a big thing that I believe it's my job to do is to present, you know, a situation to be like, all right, well, let's consider you meet this person of your dreams. 
They are absolutely physically attractive to you. They're making you laugh. Like they make you feel safe. I think that's the most important thing to feel when you're on a date. Like, do you feel safe? Do you feel awkward? Whatever. But it's like, if, if they're making you laugh, if you're attracted to them, if you feel safe, you know, it's like, what if you found out that he actually had been married for two years and, you know, maybe his ex-wife had some addiction issues that he wasn't aware of. I think that, you know, people who have been divorced and would like to start dating again, A, like they're freaking saints because if you've been through a full on divorce, like that's a lot. But going back um, to the player. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But they also realize that um, you're in a restaurant and you're picking from dishes on the menu. You're not just creating a whole new dish. That's, I'm, I wonder if that makes it a little easier for people because they don't have to create a dish with 5,000 ingredients. <laughs> that yeah. They just sort of sniff around and see what the dishes that are actually made yeah. feel yeah. like. But then here, if we're really leaning into this metaphor, another challenge with people who like maybe in their early 40s, late 40s, late 30s, whatever, even 50s, 60s, Sometimes they're just like, I'll skip dinner if this is all that they're offering. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, sometimes they're just like, I'm single because I haven't met anybody yet who makes me want to not be single. I think that um, something really lovely I found in, in the post-divorce life is like, I love having my own space and I love nobody else being in it. Yeah. And so a huge, thought, yeah, a huge thought process of the people who have been married before is like, if they're not amazing, like I'm not going to, I'm just not going to settle for anything. We talk about this a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I want to say two things. Number one, we're going to have a, an episode dedicated to dating when widowed. Um, a dear friend of mine lost nice. her husband last year and I cannot wait to do that with her. She's not quite ready to do it yet. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a, an episode first on kind of how her whole life has changed, which kind of goes back to something when, when someone, for example, in a widowed situation, like your whole circumstances, if you have kids, the availability that you have, the time that you have, especially, you know, depending on how old your kids are. There's so many factors involved in all of this. But one of the things I love that you just did is that you talked about like the benefits of being single as well. A lot of us, including oh, yeah. myself, <laughs> have chosen it too. Do I think that there could be someone who changes that if the right person came along? Very possibly. But I also think that that, and I'm, I'm very curious about two other questions related to what you just said. You know, number one, we talked a little bit about the heterosexual piece of this. Do you also work with the LGBTQ community? Um, and then secondly, you know, the issue of like people who might want open or ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous. Do you accommodate those people as well? Do they even Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I actually was a little bit shocked because speaking of imposter syndrome, the very <laughs> first client I was ever given like, they were like, all right, Melissa, this is your first client. Welcome to Matchmaker World. She was like an older or a later in life lesbian, you know? And I was sure. like, what? Are you sure? Like, are you sure Hawking Phoenix? Did? Like, what is happening? Like, I, this is a challenge, you know? Like, I don't have to earn a paycheck here. Um, but yeah, so also I've been really, really lucky to start working with people who have been, you know, heterosexual when we started. And then, you know, after conversations, you know, I just had a conversation on Thursday with a client who's like, you know what, I'm trying to be more open and I really think I shouldn't waste time and I should use, you know, our time together to explore, you know, dating women or dating wow. men or just kind of looking at all sides of the coin. So, right. um, 
yeah, I think that's really been a pleasure of mine is to help people feel comfortable enough in their skin and confident enough in dating that they're like, all right, never dated a woman before. Here I go. Let's see what happens. I can't think of a better place to explore that. And it also feels like you're there for guidance and coaching. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, so what Doug was asking previously, just about this idea of, you know, do you find that people that come to you are mostly looking for committed monogamous relationships or are people also wondering about, you know, ethically non-monogamous, open. I mean, we really get a little bit of everything. I would say the majority of people are looking for monogamous. But if somebody tells me they're open to polyamory, then that just opens up more doors. You know, it, it might be harder to find a match. And, and pardon me, I shouldn't say harder. It may be, I may have to get more creative finding a yeah. match for somebody who's openly polyamorous. But I believe there's a lid for every pot. And I also believe that, you know, life after divorce, polyamory doesn't seem so bad, right? You know, like you get to have your space and, you know, you get to have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about that myself. Um, It's it's like a dream come true, I think, when people can come to you and know what they're looking for, which might be different than what they think they should be looking for, but just to really be honest with themselves about who they are and what they're wanting. Melissa, the other thing that's really clear to me is that you are incredibly receptive to kind of whatever comes in front of you and that safety in this process. I know that people who probably engage in the matchmaking process or who have hired services for dating before, there's an anxiety about that. Like, you know, going in and being able to talk about those things and having somebody say, I might want to start dating women as well Mm -hmm. as a bisexual person or whatnot. I just, I love the safety that you create. I love the welcoming space that you create. It feels really important in any situation that, that that people have that safety. You know, you mentioned that in the actual date itself. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really nice work. Like you talk so beautifully about it. You're so kind. Um, And you know what? I think that is another big part of my job is that we are all able to go on an app and get dates. You know, every single one of us, whether they're the ones we really want or not, whatever. (laughs) So I think it's very important to be receptive enough and to honor their preferences enough to where um, I'm not wasting their time. I'm a big proponent of saying it has to be win, 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 right? The client has to win, I have to win, and the company has to win. Um, And if anybody's not winning in that, um, if anybody's not winning, then I'm, crappy matchmaker you know i would not ever put you with the person of your dreams knowing that you wouldn't fulfill their hopes and dreams and needs (laughs) what assessments are your favorite to use to see who people are is it love languages if they might be compatible with to make a match how do you do it (laughs) so i think all the assessments are so fun right but it's kind of like an astrological sign where some people are like, oh my God, I am the most Pisces of all Pisces. You could never out Pisces me. Um, and there are other people who are like, are you kidding me? Enneagram is the only way to go. I'm a two wing three, duh. And then there's the Myers-Briggs people. And I think that's actually more of, um, it's more of a peek into what generation you fall into than it is into who you are. Like I can I can only get so much out of those because of the fact that we are so deeply layered, you know, like somebody who might have a Myers-Briggs that says they're an introvert, they're like the most extroverted person around their family. 
you know, so um, a lot of the tests are a little bit more generalized to who you are outwardly versus who you are inwardly. Does that make sense? Of course, yeah. Perfect. You're like, no. And the Enneagram is an inward thing, too. You should, you know, Enneagram, I agree with people that say that Enneagram really does nail it on the head. But I feel like what you're saying is people are just multifaceted diamonds yeah. and the assessments are just too general to work. That's correct. I Because there have been people who are like, I will never date a Capricorn. Or I will, even people who say like, I would never date somebody who's in tech or an engineer. And it's like, the more you want to give yourself like boundaries and, and like hard lines, the, the more you're going to find that maybe you need to open it up a little bit. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I'm really curious about how, if you're finding somebody showing up looking for all sorts of ingredients right and then you are maybe looking at them a little bit and you're like sweetheart you're not exactly a peach yourself how do you have that conversation with them about you know is there coaching how they can become more dateable um what do you that's do? a great question and i think that once again, there's a lid for every pot, right? And um, I think something that is very important to ask people is, you know, if you if somebody is attracted to like an artist, let's just use this example where they're like, I just want somebody like super like creative, ethereal, always feeling, you know, X, Y, Z say, all right, what do you think they're looking for? What do you think when when your perfect Ooh. partner is out there searching, what do you think they're looking for back? And, you know, um, that's actually helped a lot of people be like, oh, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, maybe I should work on my this or my that or, you know, um, and I get like there's always yin and yang. But, you know, if there are too many big, like glaring red flags, we got to We got to step back a little bit and see where can we give and take. Well, and you and I talked about this in our initial conversation, Melissa, like some of the people who have like. They may not exercise, they may not mm -hmm. take care of themselves, and they want somebody who's a fitness guru, right? right? And how do you manage that conversation? But it's part of what that conversation is, right? Like, Yeah, it's, a, it's the same conversation where I yeah. think that it's more important now than ever before. Somebody's like, you know, I just really want somebody who's active and fit and taking care of themselves. And most people will say, it's fine if they have a few extra pounds. But, you know, if you are coming from, you know, a place in your life where Maybe you're not even feeling your best. Um, when people say to me, like, oh, yeah, I'm 30 pounds heavier than I should be or that I want to be, you know, and then they say, but I'm only attracted to this. That's when I have to bust it out again and say, all right, so I get it. We all have preferences. I think you look amazing right now, but you already admitted you might not feel like your best version of yourself. Right. So your perfect partner, what do you think they're searching for? And would they be attracted to the mindset that you're currently bringing to the table with this extra 30 pounds on your body. And I use that example because I always think like, if I was skinnier, maybe maybe this or maybe that. So I think the mindset that goes behind it is also a huge factor. I mean, what I love so much about what you just said is you're making people think a little bit about 
what am I bringing to the table rather right. than what is my perfect person? What's my perfect date? And I really like, and the way that you brought that up was not at all shaming, but it's sort of like, let's look, let's hold up a mirror just for a yeah. minute. Let's think about like, what do you think other people coming to us might be looking for yeah. and wanting? I really appreciate that. I do too. And I think, you know, body positivity, et cetera, you know, and, and I love your comment about there's a lid for every pot because there is. And, you know, one of the things, so I developed the four C's of relationship and chemistry mm -hmm. is the first one of those. And the thing about it is, Melissa, chemistry comes in variety of forms and we're all yeah. attracted to different people. And you said about energy, but I, I have so many people who like will get on the phone with the person they're trying to date and if the voice isn't right. So it's really important to just kind of listen to yourself. And I do believe that people should be selective and I do not think that people should settle, but it's equally important to really get realistic about like, what are you bringing to this table and who are you and who's a good fit for you and right. and, and what's gonna be a draw for you. I wanna to ask too, I'm, I'm very curious, Melissa, about how the political climate, for example, one of the things mm -hmm. that I hear a lot about from clients is that, you know, they don't want to date a person who voted for this person or that person. Um, the pandemic was obviously a time of big social isolation. So I'm kind of curious about how those factors have come into play in terms of what people say. Are people literally saying like, so I, as a gay man, I'm on this app, right? And, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, if you voted for Trump, I'm out. Right. You know, yeah. don't even bother. So I'm just kind of curious what you're finding because the criteria feels different. Go ahead. Right. So you make such a good point. There are so many people who want to just start the conversation of politics and say, you know, if this is a very popular one is saying if they voted for Trump. No, absolute deal breaker. Um, and I just encourage them to remember how short sighted that is. Right. Because um, there's so much more behind a political decision than just a talking head. And we could talk, we could get really deep into this subject, but I would say um, <laughs> most of the people, uh, I feel like it used pre 2016 or pre, you know, pre Trump era, I would say yeah. people yeah. would say, you know what, live and let live. I, I'm Republican and I believe that, you know, my mate can be liberal Democrat, whatever, as long as they live and let live. And so there was a huge shift of live and let live to like, oh, hell no. If they voted for Trump, they're not getting near me. And yeah. I actually think there are plenty of people who are in this gray area where they're like still live and let live. But they're going to be really turned off by somebody who can make an absolution like that. Um, so politically, if I could give people advice, it would be remember that. We're all forming our opinions from a perception that we've lived our entire life with. And so instead of saying no and making that blanket statement, you know, figure out, cultivate a little bit extra of what's, what else is going on to make them make those decisions. I, I also am really curious about just like trends in general after reading your mm -hmm. bio and all of the places that you've lived. And I don't know all of the places that you've been doing matchmaking versus doing date, you know, dating yourself in different cities. Mm -hmm. And you were, you were mentioning that it's just like really different in different cities, the kind of, the kinds of people that are available to date or what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some anecdotes? Like tell us some stories about who is dating, who's showing up at different places. What are they okay. like? Okay. Yeah, I can give you some um, observations, for example. Yeah. Um, an observation that I have with successful men, typically in maybe New York City and D.C., is that 
it's going to be a little bit more typical for them to be age 40 and never been married before, which is why I challenged you when you said something like, you know, so they've never committed. And it's like, they kind of did commit probably to their career, you know, and so they were busy, like working up the ladder, you know, doing a ton of education and whatnot. And then of course, like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to party they're going to date really cute girls and whatnot. But so once it's time to settle, they can get this, like this look of like, Oh, this guy's never settled down. I can't believe he's 40 and never been married when he just had different opportunities available to him. Right. And then, um, we have in the Midwest, I think people really are ready to settle down younger as I think you guys have probably all seen and understood. And then um, we have, I feel like the West Coast is just what? like a total mixed bag, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, my older then, daughter lives in LA and I just, I swear these people are very career oriented there like they are in New York City, especially in the film industry, which she's mm-hmm. in as well. Very few people are getting married and having kids and, and whatnot. And that's the other curiosity about all this, like the trends and where, you know, kids are an issue. So when you talk about a dude being 40, which I understand, I think it's Al Pacino who just had a kid at 83. Something, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I think yeah. those are factors, right? And I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people more than ever given concerns for climate change or given concerns with the political climate mm. that are not wanting to date people who want kids or otherwise. I mean, I just feel like that that's, I'm curious about that trend as well. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's something that happens a lot less often yeah. where people will have that, you know, like unequivocally, I do not want children. And that presents a huge barrier because a lot of times people just want the option, right? Because Nobody ever says like, well, you know, uh, if I get married and like we're both barren, no big deal, you know, because I think everybody walks into something like high hopes, like, oh, we might fall in love and have a family. And so it's just really hard for people to let go of certain things when somebody does have that vision for their future without children. Um, But I think people are becoming more and more open to it. So that's exciting. (laughs) I mean, and I really just love that you are promoting being more open to anything, just sort of Mm -hmm. knowing yourself and trying out things that you might not have thought you would ever in a million years be interested in or opening up some doors that were closed previously to just see how it feels and see who's out there. Yeah, it's, I call it the Bethany Frankel concept where she says, come from a place of yes. And so I do recommend, you know what? You can give anyone an hour of your time. So if you're on the fence about a date, come from a place of yes, because they might be absolutely phenomenal in person. They might knock your socks off. You might connect in a way that you haven't connected with somebody else and not even expected it. You know, there have been so many different areas of my life, whether it's trying the first time I played tennis, I was like, I'm probably going to suck at this. And then I was addicted. Right. And so it, it can come in the form of, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a sport, whatever. I think if you're not coming from a place of yes, then, you know, the only alternative is that you're coming from a place of no. And how attractive does that sound? You know, except that, of course, people have, you know, and this is where I always go with this deal breaker conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. there's going to be some of that. And I think people, and this goes back to your comment about like dating after a divorce or, you know, 
people my age, um, which I don't need to disclose, but it's obvious <laughs> I'm not 20. Um, but there's a part of this where you get to know yourself and you kind of know what you're willing to do and not to do. And right. even you talk about like the space, I would have a very hard time sharing my space as well. So, okay. I mean, I think Melissa, as we kind of get older and we get mm -hmm. more educated and we get more experience in this life, I think there's a really big opportunity to take a look at all of those pieces. So people will know some of that, but that openness is great. And I love that you coach people in that way. It is good. It's and that's cool. how we learn yeah, it about is. ourselves. And I also like what, what you were saying, Melissa, about like you can give anyone an hour of your time and just see what yeah. I like to tell my clients often that are fatiguing from the apps is if you can think about it as 45 minutes of your life to go out there, try a new cocktail or a new bubble tea or a fabulous meal, meet someone you've never met. And even if you're just thinking about it as maybe it is either going to be a surprising connection or a hilarious story because the Absolutely. worst dates are really good stories. Yep. And in fact, I, I forgot to tell you this. I am yep. collecting behind the scenes. People are writing to me about all sorts of amazingly horrifying bad dates. Wow. So, oh my gosh. I can't wait to write to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> chapter. I, like right there, and I realized like I, there might be something sociopathic about me, but I love hearing about bad dates almost as much as good dates. But you, you know also, what? I'd rather hear about a bad date than a good date at this point from like my best friends. Cause I'm like, Oh, of course they liked you. You're great. You know, like yeah. tell me why they so didn't great. like you. Cause I'm done. <laughs> I know. And also I think just the whole point that that's how we learn about ourselves and what we're yeah. into and what we're not into by seeing what it feels like this um this vibe you know scientist <laughs> yeah. what what is that energy which i love I feel, Melissa, like we could talk to you for hours and hours and hours about this, and I have we like could. a million more questions. I but I am, I am kind of curious as we might want to wrap up this particular episode. Like, what advice do you have for people who are looking to date or go to a matchmaker or go to a dating event? Oh yeah, I would say that you know, I I want this to come out as as loving as possible. But any, and I even touched on it already any barrier that you currently have, I'm still going to see that as a matchmaker, right? So I'll reference myself once again. Sometimes I think like if I was 20 pounds thinner, I would probably attract way hotter, way better guys that I would be way more into. But after a while, like that thought process manifests. And so it's like, if a date goes bad, my head says it went bad because I'm, I'm too chubby. You know, I'm so I would think about that. Right. However, it's like if if that's what's in your mind, then that's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. If it was, you know what? We just didn't really get along very well. Then that's what it is. So my best yep. advice is if you're not feeling like you're really in a place where you're in love with yourself, you're not going to mm -hmm. let somebody else love you the way you need to be loved. So, wow. you know, just dialing back. If somebody says, I'm not exactly where I want to be right now that's a totally different conversation. That's almost like, are you sure you want to do this right now then? Um, right. Because you're still going to have all those problems, but the way you're able to digest them and work with them and sit with the discomfort and then still get out there, that's going to make a difference between somebody seeing you as an amazing partner or just like dead weight or like somebody boring who always says the same thing over and over. Like, oh, too bad. You think everybody hates you. Well, they don't. So find a new narrative. 
Um, you know, uh, so here's here's another question, and maybe this is the difference between therapy and matchmaking, or is there any, I feel like everyone needs to be in therapy when they're trying to figure this out, because what is the difference between saying you need to be fully formed before you're ready to date versus just go out there you're going to learn about yourself along the way but nobody is a, you know you don't need to feel like okay now i'm a complete perfect person right, right. But you do need self-esteem and you do need to not be insecure i think right and i think that's where it comes in to say i'm perfectly incomplete but i'm happy with where i'm at in this moment yeah that's um, beautiful yeah yeah so you can go out on a date and know like there are so many areas where I can grow, but the right person is going to foster an environment where I feel comfortable to grow. And they're going to yeah. kind of cherish me as I am, even though there's room to grow. So I don't have to be right. a complete so person. If you're coming from a mind space of like, ugh, I'm like, why would anyone want to date me? Don't go on a date. You know, like you don't have to yeah. be perfectly complete and perfectly whole. You can know right. that you have flaws. But you know what? If you're saying things to yourself like, you know, I'm not going to bring value to anyone's life. That's when you should not get out there, you know, like take a minute, maybe connect with your friends, maybe then like go to therapy, but um, you can be incomplete. You just can't be Eeyore about it, I guess. Well, and I think there's two things about that. One is we all have insecurities, right? We all all have mm -hmm. things that we would change about ourselves if we had a magic wand, which I, I don't encourage because we are who we are and our world has brought us yeah. to where we are. But I think readiness, that word ready kind of hit me a little bit because I think a lot of people feel like I want to go out there. I want to have fun. I feel like I should be dating. I'm 35 years old or whatever it is. And I think people need to be ready. And I think people need to be psychologically and otherwise ready to to really be vulnerable and be honest and be forthright and transparent about the process. Yeah. And I, I would say like one of those litmus tests you can use, like, am I ready? Um, yeah. Just ask yourself the question, am I mature enough to send a text message afterwards that says, Hey, I had a fun time. I wasn't really feeling it, but you're awesome. You know, it's like, if it. you get, if you get the ick thinking about having to say to somebody that you're not ready to date them, if they're interested in dating you, then maybe you have a little bit more inventory to take. You have to be adult enough to be like, yo, you were great. I'm really great, but you're not great for me and vice versa. Melissa, I absolutely love that litmus test. It. I think it's really <laughs> phenomenal because it's really hard for people to do something that they think will harm someone else. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, a little bit of twinge of codependency and avoidance in all, all of us. Yeah. Melissa, this has been a tremendous thrill. Um, I'm so glad that that nurse at the Hudson emergency room put us together. I know. Thank um, you, Jenna. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel so lucky that you got your that I got injured. almost punched out of your that's face. Right. And here we are. <laughs> I mean, what? That's, that's how you can look at everything. Like every seemingly, or what do they call it? Every step back. Like it's not always a step back. Like. We it's just, a deep like, several steps forward. Yeah, I like the I like the flip of your hair with it. Yeah. That really <laughs> that's the only reason I don't cut my hair. It's like I have to use it as an accessory. I know. <laughs> Believe me, I understand. It's the only reason I've failed five times to um, get contact lenses put in is because I desperately just want to hold on to the glasses as an accessory. I think they're beautiful. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. part of the deal. <laughs> 
Melissa, we're so grateful to you. Will you tell people where they can find you? Plug anything you want to plug. Okay. Well, you can text me direct. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> don't. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at the underscore MLR for my my initials. And then on TikTok, I'm also at the underscore MLR. And my TikTok is only dating stuff. So that's fun. And then um, Instagram, I am private, but don't worry. If you if you want to follow me, I'll just make sure you're not a bot and that we'll we'll vibe on social media. Score. Oh, love it. Love it. Melissa, <laughs> Thank thanks again, again for everything. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you guys. I had so much fun.